Welcome to Table Talk Theology, and our episode here, I'm Kelby Sansom, and with my co-equal here, Morgan Sansom, and tonight we'll be speaking upon a subject about the way of the cross and the offense of the gospel, and the way that it will be established here tonight is that we have two questions, but the first question is going to be answered with three extra questions, and the second one could be our thoughts, and then closing thoughts and usually well when the podcast so morgan as we know the first question is um is we're going to talk about understanding the gospel but three questions though and i'll let you uh, and i will ask you the questions three questions one at a time okay and then i'll give you my thoughts on it as well so the first question is how do you view this the death of jesus on the cross well, it was a great injustice because Christ did nothing, no sin. He lived a perfect life, and yet he had to die for my sins and for your sins and for everybody in the world. But it was also a point of freedom from bondage. It took away my sin and gave me freedom. In so, okay. All right. Now, the next question. What, what do you believe really happened at the cross? Christ paid the debt on the cross. He paid the debt. I couldn't, I could never pay this. Um, I couldn't live a sinless, perfect life, and he did it for me. And his death covered every sin that I could ever commit. Okay. Now, the last question here for you. Um, you do well so far. How does it affect you, though? By having that knowledge of knowing that he died on the cross for my sins... And that he gave up everything for me to be free. And that gives me a reason to spend my life in obedience to him. Because I couldn't have done it. And he did it all for me. So that gives me reasons for me to be obedient and love, show my love for him. Excellent. Great thoughts and qualities about that. Uh, <clears throat> now, I promise you this ain't going to be a short podcast. Mainly because I know my question, my answers to these questions as well, uh, for the first part anyway, it's going to be a little lengthier. But Morgan, why don't you ask me the questions now? I would start with the first, second, third question. How do you view the death of Jesus on the cross? Okay, well, first off, I can think of a few ways. For a lot of people, the cross is a stumbling block for people who want to live in their sin. What do I mean by that? The cross calls us out and to live a life not of our own anymore. The cross offers a new life where we put the death of flesh daily where we are no longer living for ourselves, but carrying our cross daily to follow him and follow him even to death. But I see in one hand Jesus' atoning work he made for our sins is in order that we might have the promise sealed of the Holy Spirit and guaranteed inheritance of having eternal life with the Father. But I also see, on the other hand, whether people are listening or not at this point, I will say to uh, not carry your cross, you're not worthy of following him. Ouch. Uh, but why, though? Because if you read in scriptures, uh, when you look at Matthew's uh, chapter 10, verse 34 through 39, when we look at, which I have wrote down my notes, it says, Do not suppose I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, and daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against his mother-in-law, and a man enemy will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. But whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. But now, this is not to say hate your family, kids, or neighbors, or etc., but you only have one Lord in your life. Will it be Christ, meaning to carry your cross for Him, or following someone else, which means not carrying your cross? So what's the second question? What do you believe really happened at the cross? Okay. So as far as that second question poses on what really happened at the cross, was the Son of God taking on the sins of the world on Himself? This is a perfect opportunity, I think, to bring up this also. And if this doesn't bring a sense of humbleness and gratefulness to God in your life and in your heart, I'm not sure what else would. But most people think this was Satan doing of having Satan's doing of having him crucified. But really the fact of the matter is God himself willed him to be on the cross. That's probably a mind blower to you. But Jesus' life was the only life God willed him to go to the cross. Because if you look in scripture, Isaiah 53 verse 4, I did a sermon on this uh, about maybe early on in the year, I would think. Isaiah 30, uh, 53 4 even says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him, listen to this part, him punished by God. Is that mind blown to you? And stricken by him and afflicted. Even Jesus himself predicted his own death. Because it says in Luke 9, 22, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. On the third day, be raised. Jesus himself knew what had to, be, had to happen in order to accomplish what had to be done at the cross. Ultimately, for our justification, meaning to have a right standing before God. But, what was the third question that you had there? How does it affect you? How does the cross affect you? Well, for one, I think it shows me the God's character of his, his complete love on display. But also pouring out his wrath on his own son, taking the punishment we deserve. It also tells me of the work I could not accomplish myself, but there was someone who could for me on my behalf. So, now, move on to the next uh, question of the second part, but before we move on, do you have any thoughts about uh, the first part? Any other thoughts? I just, I want to share a verse. I couldn't remember what verses you had written down, so I wrote one down and I was going to say it if you hadn't said it. um, In Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it says, Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard it equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that verse, it tells us how much God was so much higher than us, (laughs) but he didn't think anything of it. He humbled himself and took on the form of a bond servant. He became our servant so that he could go to the death on the cross. Mm. And sorry, forgive me, folks, but uh, a little agitated the moment because I have the dogs outside the door. We have dogs here at the house here and uh, it's a little barks in the background. So forgive us if you hear any noise in the background. Uh, but yes, that's very uh, much. I like that what you said. Um, so now. Um, 
the next part talks about why is the gospel so offensive. Now, earlier I asked some people on, on Facebook their thoughts about that. And, um, and I'm surprised by the, by the questions. And uh, I must say I'm very pleased and happy to hear most answers from in general. What I have written down, not from you guys, but what I wrote down earlier, just having the same mindset I have, I guess, in Christ. What that what that means to have the what it means to have the gospel is offensive to people. But um, I will start off with with Morgan first. Uh, what are your thoughts about why is the gospel so offensive? Do you have any thoughts about it? I think it brings conviction to people, and people they want to live their worldly lives without anybody becoming involved in it. And when they see the cross and they see what Christ did for them, it makes them feel like they should give up things that they don't want to. Okay. And with that conviction, uh, or not, and in being loving our sin, I would think two scripture of mine come to mind when I was studying this this topic, particularly throughout this week. Uh, and 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, it could be meaning for people who don't want to believe the gospel, know the gospel, receive the gospel, they think it's stupid. So that's why they're perishing. But to us who receive the gospel, know the gospel, love the gospel, embrace the gospel, we are being saved because it is the power of God saving us. And the second passage I have that to, to go along with that and why they think it's foolish it come uh, the next part. I want you, uh, if you have Bibles, you can also turn or uh, take a listen to. It's in Second Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen through seventeen, which says, "Thanks be to God, who is in who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and though us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. So no matter where we go, we are spreading the fragrance of God. But that also depends on how a person takes that, whether they see it as something beautiful, as something smells amazing, or they see us as bug repellent, and they'll want to shoo us away. But um, but also says in verse, continuing verse 15, We are the aroma of Christ to God, among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, and to other, a fragrant from life to life, who is sufficient for these things. We are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we are we speak in Christ. So you probably may have heard the thought, the the idea of uh, eyes as a beauty beholder, if I get that about right, yeah. or maybe in, in the beauty eyes of the nose or the ears, perhaps. Uh, Whenever we think of something beautiful, amazing, it catches our eye. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, so the gospel to us who are being saved, it's beautiful. It's amazing. We can't get over it. And nor do we get tired of hearing it because it tells us about how Christ saved us and mm-hmm. knew that God when God needed to bring his son down the earth to save us. And it's amazing. We love to hear it. And it's fragrance to us the nose. It's talking about these analogies, so to speak. You know, it's 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 wonderful. It's like amazing flower uh, that you smell. Mm-hmm. But to those who don't or are perishing, it's death to them. It's aroma of death to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you have any thoughts about anything that what you or I could have said? Or um, why the gospel is offensive? And other than what I know you said, there's conviction. And of course I said, 
because people don't like to hear the gospel because they um, are too wrapped up in their sin, love their sin, and see uh, the gospel as death. Yeah. Or fools or stupid. I don't think I have anything else to add. I think you said it very well. Okay. So what about last thoughts? Do you have anything you want to talk about, uh, about what we all have discussed? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, um, I actually have a last thought of encouragement for you, Christian, um, out there listening, that when you go out in this world, um, you will face trials of many kind for the gospel's sake, and you're not guaranteed victory. And matter of fact, yes, we're called to love, we're called to um, be graced to one another, but at the same time, the Bible even almost describes, you know, uh, harsh evangelism, not on your part, but on the people's part because they don't want to hear the gospel. And that's why I want to share a quick story with you. And mostly, I'm not sure if you may know this, but there's a hymn where, and there's, I want to tell you the story first and you'll get the gist of what this hymn is. And everybody in church, if you grew up in church, knows what it is. It's a story about a man and his wife and two um, children. About 150 years ago, there was a revival in Wales. And as a result of this, many missionaries came to the northeast around India to spread the gospel. But the region known as ASAM, if I pronounce it right, so I'm saying it confidently and hopefully it sounds okay. But it was comprised of hundreds of tribes who were primitive and aggressive headhunters. And even people warned them not to go to this village because they will kill you. So into the hostile and aggressiveness in this hostile community came a group of missionaries from American um, spreading the message of love, peace, and hope in Jesus Christ. Naturally, they were not welcomed. One missionary succeeded, though, in converting a man, his wife and two children. This man's faith provided it was proved, or so I should say, contagious. And many villagers began to accept Christianity. But angry, the village chief summoned all the villagers, and he dragged them to the village uh, square. And he called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. But moved by the Spirit, the man instantly composed a song which became famous down through the years. And it goes like this, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. But enraged at the refusal of this man, the chief ordered the archers and arrows down the children. Then he said to him, Will you deny your faith now? You have lost both your children. You will lose your wife too. The man saying these words in reply, Though none go with join me, still I will follow. Though none will join me, I still will follow. Though none will join me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. And once more the chief was beside himself and with fury. He ordered his wife to be arrowed down, and in moments he joined the children in death. Now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. But in the face of death, the man sang the final memory memorial lines. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. He was shot dead like the rest of his family. But with their deaths, however, 
a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killing was also moved by this man's faith. But he started to wonder, why should this man, his wife and two children, die for a man who lived in a faraway land, another continent, about 2,000-something years ago? There must have been some remarkable power behind the family's faith and to the taste of their faith. But a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I too belong to Jesus Christ. When a crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior. The song is based on the last words of Noxi, a man from Goro tribe of Asam in India. It is today the song of the Goro people. Now, with that story being said, with the ways of the cross and what we know of the cross and how we must follow and take up our cross daily and follow him, no matter the, the, the consequences, no matter the cost. And even though we know the, the gospel can be offensive, but here we find encouragement. We don't know whose lives we might be effective because let me tell you, it's not your words that if you become faithful to the gospel, Jesus Christ, God through, through, through the word, he even says that there is power within the gospel. Romans 1, 16, I believe. And it's, and I can't think on top of my mind, but it's, um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God to salvation. That part. Uh, un, it's the power of God unto salvation for, for all who believe. So the, uh, the gospel has power in itself. Jesus, God, through his Holy Spirit, through the word, and that, spreading that gospel, he, there is, Power in that gospel. So don't think your 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 evangelism, your discipling, is not in vain, because Christ's work was not in vain on the cross. If it was in vain, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. But there was power in that. So that's my last remarks there to you. But again, I'll give Morgan an opportunity if she has any thoughts, anything she wants to add. No, I think I shared everything I wanted to. All right. Well, this has been good talk with you guys and i hope to see you again next time on table talk theology have a good night